the glass. This show is dedicated to helping you make the best beer possible. So strap in and hold on to your mash tons. We're Homebrew Pat. Welcome to Homebrew Bound. I'm Casey. And I'm Miles. And this is the best beer show on the internet. Well, at least according to our mothers. Right. All right, Miles. So what have you been doing beer-wise the past week? Nothing. I haven't had time or money for anything this past week. Oh, no. No, Oh, no. Actually, uh, today was the first day in like two weeks I've actually uh, splurged and went and got uh, a six-pack well, that's that's good. Six packs are good. I I agree. I got uh, Ellie's Brown Ale. Okay. Yeah, it was actually How, pretty good. Was I, it good? Yeah, light bodied, light roast. You know, everything a brown ale should be robust. You know, very cool, very cool. Yeah, yeah. How about you? Um. Well, I spent more time than I care to admit at Pitchfork this week. Yeah, doesn't uh, surprise I think me. I, I think I was there uh, Wednesday, Thursday. And Saturday, uh, <laughs> it was it was it was it was a good week. Uh, they have a an imperial or uh, it was a honey ginger imperial porter on tap right now. That's a lot of imperial. It was amazing. Well, no, there's only one imperial. The first imperial I said was a mistake. Oh, gotcha. it was a honey ginger imperial porter. I was trying to remember exactly how it was phrased. That that's a lot going on, actually. It. And it was it was fantastic. It had just the right amount of ginger. Like ginger is one of those things where it's really easy to overdo and underdo. Like it'll either overtake or just not be in your beer at all. No, that's and this true. was and this this was perfect. It just had like that slight ginger heat. Uh, the honey I think helped with that just a little bit. You get you just get a little bit of that honey characteristic, and you don't taste the alcohol at all. It's an eight and a half nine percent porter. Ginger has that tendency. Yeah, to I, really just cover stuff. Kind of like that, uh, the basil in the beer that mm-hmm. we had the other day. Yeah. It just has the right kind of spice characteristic to mask it. Yes. Yeah. You know, it was it was good stuff. And then, you know, they had a uh, they had their pale ale on fresh local hops in the Firkin. So. Love it. That was, that was absolutely delightful. Spent a lot of time there. <clears throat> so that's what I did beer-wise. I'm going back on their their anniversary... Or no, no, their harvest festival is on Saturday, and so I'm going to head up to that. Very nice. So that'll be fun. Very nice. Yeah. Um. Other than that, I, I haven't done a whole lot beer-wise. Just a little bit of drinking here and there, but yeah, fair. No, I mean same here. I've been yeah. going through several life changes. Uh, I don't work at the liquor store anymore. What? I know. Mind equals blown. It's insane. Now I actually have to start buying our beer. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. Instead of me just getting it all for right. free, because that happened. Uh, yeah. So, well, uh, instead of a homebrew, because it's it's been, it's a hectic time of year for everybody right now, so we don't have any fresh homebrew uh, this week, uh, we, d- we figured we'd try tasting a commercial beer and see where that falls in our what, what we think about it. Yeah, I guess like a commercial calibration, if you will. Uh, and we're doing the uh, Summit uh, Northern Porter, right? Yes, we are. Yeah, so that's that's a fairly widely available beer, especially here in the Midwest. Uh, so if you can, you know, if you want to pause the episode right now, go get yourself some Summit Imperial Porter. You can taste it along with us. I know, fantastic. All right, so Miles, why don't you start us off here? Uh, so... Uh, 
as, as far as the aroma goes, well, I, I suppose I'll start with the appearance. You pour it out, you get this nice, deep, dark roasted uh, beer, and it's actually very clear. Well, clean, I should say. Clean, yeah. It's very clean. Uh, it, it's a very, very dark shade of red, if you look at it right. Okay. Uh, it's got an off-white head that has a tendency to stick around decent lacing going on for this beer. But uh, and that the it's just like the gorgeous colors that chocolatey foamy almost like coffee colored head. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but when I got to the aroma, I was a little thrown off. Yeah, something's going on. I don't know if this is an older. Like, I'm not sure what the bottling date was. Um, this is one of a port. One of a, a uh, like when I went camping uh, last weekend, and this was in the cooler. Kind of got tossed around there, and sat in some heat for a while. So that could be it too. Yeah, uh, fresh. I don't. I don't usually get this wonky aroma off of this beer. I wrote it down as light uh, roasted plus lightly phenolic. Yeah, um, I'm almost getting like almost a metallic note in the aroma, almost like smelling pennies. I think that's that's what I'm picking up aroma wise. Yeah, I can I can see that definitely. This weird coppery. Sort yeah. Of well, what about uh, past the aroma, getting uh, into the flavor? Past the aroma, uh, the flavor I got a, a touch of oxidation coming through on this. Uh, otherwise, I got dry plus roast plus some light dry chocolate notes. Uh, I can't stress the dry part enough. Yeah, it's good and dry. It is. It's very. It's very good. It's very dry. It's fairly one dimensional though. It's. I'm not getting too much complexity out of this. Yeah. Uh, just primarily. Uh, dry, roasty, you know, maybe a little bit of chocolate or, you know, some of those burnt kind of coffee-like flavors coming through. But that's really about it. Well, that's honestly quite a bit. Like, I don't know. There, You said three or four different flavor descriptors there. I, I know, which... but the idea is that you'd be using any one of them, not necessarily all of yeah. them. Yeah. Depending on who you are. Yeah. Um. No, I'm, I don't know. I, I guess it is a little one note, but... It's an easy drinker, and something like this, I think that's what I look for most in in like a porter like this. You want something easy to drink that you're just, it'll just go down, uh, like fall day drinker. Like, as, yeah, as far as a, a darker beer goes, this is decently decently sessionable. It's an introduction to, I guess, quote-unquote dark beer yeah. for the non-dark beer drinker. If you wanted to get a decent introduction, this would be the way to go. Uh, it's fairly simple. You can get the idea. It's not as heavy as a big stout. No. It's uh, 5.6% ABV, and it's available all year round. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's, my, it's one of my go-to porters. Uh, like if, if I'm in the mood for a porter, this is usually what I grab because I can find it. I liked it a lot better. Back in the day. What do you mean, back in the day? Back when I wasn't as knowledgeable as I am. Okay. Um, Because in many ways, uh, back then, I thought it was like a classic definition of what a porter really should be. Okay. And it's not that that's not true now, but I've exposed myself to a lot better. Okay. How does that sound? (laughs) Pretentious as always. I right, love it. exactly. <laughs> well, it's got to come through. This is this yeah. is our time. Yep, yep. No, uh, I I guess I I can agree with that. This is the, like I don't know. I never I never start off the night with a porter, and this is something I can have when I'm three or four beers deep, and it will change. Especially if I've been drinking IPAs all night, 
this is the perfect thing to grab. It's something completely different. Kind of gives my palate a break from all that bitterness. And not just that, but it's low enough alcohol and still thick and dark enough that it'll slow your drinking down. Mm-hmm. And it'll help you to, if not get or if not sober up, then at least avoid getting drunker. It'll help maintain. It's a good maintenance yeah, beer. Yeah, it is actually. So, all right. Uh, well, I guess overall, what would you give this beer? Uh, well, a, a uh, buy, don't buy. Uh, let's get to the feel, the mouth feel. We we neglected to to comment on this yet. Okay. Uh, I wrote down that it's a a little light on the body. You know, I don't know if that's a criticism or not, but uh, the coarse carbonation wasn't exactly appealing for me. I I don't know with my with my beers as they get darker. I like the the carbonation to be. Uh, not not so harsh. I don't know. Oh, I like the carbonation on this beer. Uh, maybe it's because I've drank so much of it that I'm accustomed to it. But I I really like the carbonation on this beer. I it it I like the the lightness of the body. I I love just the way it drinks. Fair enough. It kind of um, placates towards the 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 sessionability aspect that we were mm-hmm. talking about. Yeah, and I I don't. I, I'm not the biggest fan of the big chewy beers, so the farther away, especially when in my porters, I want them more towards my pale ale side than my stout side. If that makes any sense, no, when no, I'm talking that's body. true. And I'm not necessarily uh, knocking it for being thin. That was just kind of a, yeah. a thing I noticed. Uh, Bell's Porter, have you had that recently? Not recently. That, that's a lot smoother. It drinks a lot more smoothly. Okay, and. Uh, that would be my preference. Okay. Something like Bell's Porter over Great Northern. Uh, but as far as buy, don't buy, you know, how I'd rate it, um, I'd say I'd give it 85 out of an, out of 100. And if you've never had it, it's definitely worth a try. It's not a... Oh, for sure. It's not going to break the wallet by any means. No, it's what, an eight ninety nine, seven ninety nine, at least in Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah. I mean, pretty standard. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, Summit makes solid beer. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's what they're known. They're known for solid beer. It's yeah. nothing that's going to change your mind about porters, but it's it's a good beer. Status quo. They're they're just a little bit above status quo, but all the time. Mm-hmm. They they never make anything disappointing, but it's not often you find something that's like exceptional. Oh my god, you got to have this. Yeah, yeah. Their Oktoberfest is pretty solid, too. That, not going to lie. Yeah, but then there's Hacker Shore. I do not know that one. It's one of the best. But I do not know that one. You so. need to get that one. Ah, it's too late in the year for Oktoberfest. I'm over Oktoberfest oh, now. Oh, that's the problem with you guys. No, What? I- what? No, I I hit Oktoberfest really hard for about two months, and then <laughs> I then I hit about this time of year, and I can't drink another one. I'm just so sick of it. If I see another Staghorn, I'm just done. <laughs> see, Staghorn Staghorn is good, but it's not it's not that good. Staghorn is pretty damn good. You gotta have Hackershore. All right, I'm gonna get you a Hackershore. Okay, we'll talk. All right, we'll talk off air. <laughs> but we have a quiz we should get into because yes. we have a lot of ground to cover in about 20 minutes to do it in. I totally could not get it pulled up. This computer is not having it. All right, so let's start this quiz. Yes. Uh, so last week, we started our in-depth discussion on mashing. 
and you were not doing so well. I did just fine. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I'm going to do worse because I didn't study in right? between in between sessions. Okay, uh, just a real quick outline, or uh, recap, I should say. Uh, we talked about enzymes, what we they did. are. I got those kind of right. You you got a few. There's There was a lot that were left out, but... You're way too technical, right? man. Th- that's the point. <laughs> uh, so we talked about uh, the primary enzymes that are active in home brewing and, mm-hmm. and what they do. Uh, and then we talked about how, quote-unquote, stingy they are, uh, how needy, and the conditions that they work best in. Okay. Uh, and we said that they were temperature, pH, concentration, and then, for formatting purposes, time. Yeah, but time was wrong. Yeah, but see, I did this with, you know, like a whole thing in mind. Because You're right. If it doesn't fit the acronym, make it fit. Right? No. Um, <laughs> uh, because enzymes are so important, we covered that first. And then we, and then the enzymes care about temperature, pH, concentration, and time. And last week we got done talking about temperature, and today we're starting on pH. So... What is pH? pH is the, uh, or well, it's how acidic or basic the the uh, solution is. Yes, that is about as exact as you could be. Um, in chemistry, pH is the acidity or basicity of a solution. Solutions are said to be pH neutral at a value of seven, below its acidic and above its basic. And pure water is almost a perfect seven. Uh, what is the target mash pH? 5-2. And why? Because the little thing says 5-2, and you put the 5-2 in the mash water, and then you get a 5-2 pH. What, you've never used 5-2? I have 5-2, and I use 5-2. <laughs> okay, um... No, uh, it, it needs... It, uh, you want it to be acidic enough for uh, optimal extraction, and so the enzymes can do what they're, they're doing, but not... Uh, so acidic that you pull out things that you don't want or kill off the enzymes. Yes. Um, so what I have is that your your mash pH, is, it is a range. You want to be somewhere within 5.1 and 5.5, eh, give or take. So, I mean, that's, that's not an exact science. Uh, with an emphasis on 5.2. And why 5.2? Uh, for the reasons you said to be a little more specific, because it hits the proper pH ranges for beta amylase, the proteolytic enzymes, the debranching enzymes, and the beta glucanase, uh, which we talked about last week. And then just to recap again, uh, these are responsible for, respectively, producing maltose, making barley protein soluble, and the creation of free amino acids, along with cleaving larger sugars into glucose and breaking down unmalted adjuncts. So if you think about it, that really is like the bulk of what you truly need to accomplish in mashing. Mm-hmm. And that one pH hits all of those. And so that's why we f- we go for 5.2. Question number nine. Well, number two. Number nine, because this is a continuation. Yeah, but it's number two today. What, oh, you're going to get me so confused, Miles. What is what is concentration, and how is it measured in brewing? And of course, we're still talking about mashing. Okay, so you you have you have used this term concentration now, which I don't know if it's uh, well. All right, uh, it is. I'm assuming you're talking about 
how constant, like, I don't know, this word concentration I don't like. It doesn't seem to fit. Uh, um, okay, well, I mean, I'm using one of the definitions, and it, it, excuse me, it is a relative amount of a given substance contained within a solution. And so this could be uh, directly related to gravity, if, if, okay, I mean, are, if, are you talking about the because we 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 also kind of used it when we were talking about our ratios, our our gr- yeah. our, our grist to water yeah, ratio. I mean, that, that's more what and, I'm trying to get to. Okay, at, at it, least it just, for this question. Yeah, con- concentration just seems very ambiguous. Uh, okay, I may just be being difficult, but no, yeah. Uh, well, no, okay, so you're right, but it's kind of two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. I mean, technically, if you wanted to talk about the concentration, you could take a specific gravity reading and get a number that makes sense to the situation. Yes. But we're not talking about the gravity in reference to, you know, what kind of uh, alcohol am I going to get? You're literally just talking about the stuff that got dissolved in the liquid while you're mashing. Okay. Starches, enzymes, everything. Um. But how is it? How are we measuring it in reference to mash numbers? I don't know. Quarts per pound. That's okay. That okay. Is, okay. So now, now we're talking. We're not yeah. back to the grist. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So okay. We're, we're talking primarily about the grist. Okay. The okay. So yeah, I, I got I got confused because we were talking about gravity, and now we moved to the grist. Well, sorry, I was saying that if you wanted to, you could talk about this in oh, terms of gravity. I thought, okay. Uh, I'm slow tonight. I'm sorry. Right. It's it's eight thirty. He just got done with work. Little fried. Okay. Uh, anyway, so concentration is the amount of stuff in a liquid, and at the moment we're talking about quarts per pound, quarts of water, uh, to per pound of grain. Per pound of grain. Yep. Okay. Uh, what concentrations with that with that definition uh, should you use during the meshing process? Uh, it really depends on what you're kind of going for. What is the range? I mean, what, um, what, give me the high to low. The high to low, you could do as low as I guess one quart per pound would technically work. Yeah, um, and I guess four would be way too much. I think four but, four would be too much. I haven't heard uh, or three? seen three is still pushing it. Like you two and so? a half is, and a half? is the high end that I, I really ever see in literature. Yeah, I guess I do about a quart and a half per pound usually. Yep. And that's what I have. You you want to be right around in that area. And there is a very specific reason why. So, question 11 or question 4 if you really want to get... Okay. Okay. Uh, why is having this relative amount of wort concentration important? So you're not drowning the grain. Otherwise, you're just going to get, like, grain soup. And it's just not going to... You're not, you're, you're not going to be able to get a, a compacted mash bed. It's just not going to go well for you. I'm sure there's a sciency reason behind it, but there, the practical reason is that. There are practical reasons, yes. Uh, do you know what the sciency reason no is? No idea. Uh, it deals with enzymes and their ability to make contact with the starch molecules uh, as well as fluidic motion as well as supported structural stability. Uh, so what happens is, if you think about this just kind of being like a whole bunch of different things being tossed in, mm-hmm. and it happens to be a liquid, the enzymes, in order to do they think, in order to do their thing, they literally need to like bump into these starch molecules, uh, so that they can start chopping them down. Uh, if it's way too thick, if you don't have nearly enough water, they kind of get stuck 
you know, they run into one thing, they they chop it, and then they can't move on to find the next thing to keep yeah. chopping. And so you get you get poor uh, efficiency that way. And if you get too much, if you have too much water and it's too thinned out, um, the enzymes actually have trouble finding these starch molecules to bump into. And then the uh, structural stability thing is it needs to have a right level of concentration so that there is just enough stuff around it to actually help it keep its own shape. Because if there's too much water, they can just kind of like start yeah. falling out of shape and then they stop being able to do what they're supposed to do. Okay. And so being right around that area is important like on five different levels. It's too many levels. I'll just stick right. with my one. <clears throat> I like my level. Well, we're giving the answers to why I know, I know. You do all the things you're supposed <laughs> I know, to do. I know. I know. No, we, we have a great dichotomy here. I'm, yeah. All right. Uh, how long does it take to mash? How long does it take to mash? Yeah. Well, that is that is a really good question. Uh, are you doing all of these steps? Are we including all the steps? No, no, no. no. Uh, let's, just, let's, just your primary, just your primary your, 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 like, single infusion. Or, yeah, uh, sixty minutes. Sixty minutes. Yep. And then uh, for bigger beers and for special reasons, you might need to go to ninety minutes. Yep. If if you really wanted to, but be very careful with the ninety minutes. Yes, because you can get over extraction and nonsense. So you need to be, you just need to be careful because you don't want to go too long. Otherwise, you're going to start pulling tannins and just unwanted stuff out of the grains. Yes. Uh, So that answers half of the next question. Why is it uh, ineffective to really mash beyond two hours? The enzymes can only do so much. Yeah. They, like, they're, they get full. If if you think of it that like you they they can there's only so much they can break down like once once they've broken it down into sand they cannot break it down any 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 finer than that to yeah. use more metaphors to well, complicate the issue. Um, realistically, uh, if you look at the numbers, after sixty to ninety minutes, you're looking at I think a, around ninety two percent starches being broken down, and if you start like adding hours upon hours after that. You're looking at 93, the 90. Well, diminishing returns. Yeah, uh, you you'd have to wait 30 or 40, 50 hours to get 100 uh, percent broken down, and it's just clearly not worth it. Not to mention the risk of infection and in, in, all that infection, stuff at that point. Tannins. I mean, and, and tannins can really start taking a toll after four or five hours. Yeah. Um, just again, totally not worth it. Unless we're sour mashing. Yes. Then it's totally worth it. Absolutely. <laughs> so that is oh that's that's that pretty much brings us to a, a nice close. Already, huh? Yeah. I I figured there might have been a little more back and forth going in on this one. Oh, I say already. We it's we've been like fifteen minutes in. <laughs> <laughs> that went way faster than I thought it would. Yeah, so let, let's do a, a quick recap. Why don't we do a quick recap and um I know I know we've talked about this before, but why don't we just give a few quick mash tips, things that we've found that work really well, either when you're trying to hit that hit these points or uh we could talk a quick about decoction do a quick overview of decoction mashing because that kind of fits in here doesn't it yeah might as well all right so miles what is decoction mashing oh now you're quizzing me yeah man this is quite the turn let me google this real quick (laughs) hey i don't get a google um, decoction mashing is 
and we've talked about this before, uh, when you are doing multi-step mashing and then you extract the wort, heat it up, and then reintroduce it to the mash to raise the temperature of the mash. And why would one do a decoction? Uh, There are multiple ways to do multi-step mashing, and part of the reason for decoction mashing is to keep a low fermentability of the mash, as well as kind of making some of your calculations easier because you don't have to worry about introducing more and more and more water and then worrying about all of your concentrations during the mash. Okay. Um, And historically, why have people used decoction mashing for uh, specifically lagers? Because Germans were really big into this decoction madness. Actually, that I'm not entirely sure. I I know that there are some lagers that uh, specifically require decoction mashes. I just I'm not entirely sure. Uh, it it all has to do with the uh, with the grains that they were using. Okay. Uh, they they weren't the utilization of those grains. They weren't quite as high as modified. Like, the modification. There we yes. go. Modification. Yep. Yeah. So doing a decoction will increase the mod- the. The modification, the modification of your of your grain, yeah. Uh, specifically, specifically uh, Pilsner malt, mm-hmm. um, European Pilsner malt, like from Germany and stuff, uh, will benefit greatly from a decoction. Uh, if you're going for pretty much any U.S. grain, it's almost entirely unnecessary. Yeah, uh, U.S. U.S. grains have yeah. a ridiculous modification rate. In fact, uh, a lot of uh, some brewers say that the modification is too high. On U.S. grains, especially if you're going uh, for like some English characters, yeah. Um, so that's that's another reason why if you're making say an English beer, you want to use English grains. Yep, that and they're just so much more tasty. Yes, but it's it, modification is a big reason there too. So yeah. All right, cool. So, uh, so we talked about decoction. Well, uh, what's the difference between that and some of the other multi-step mashings? Uh, well, uh, decoction specific. No, you you know what. I misquoted myself. I was wrong. Decoction mashing is where you take stiff grain out of the mash, heat the grain itself. Yeah, you heat the grain, and then you add the grain back in. Yes, I said the the wort. Oh, that's oh. turbid mashing. Yeah, that's oh, turbid mashing. Man, <laughs> I'm sorry. I missed I missed the wort bit no, that I, you said there. I said wort, and I messed that up, and yes. I knew okay. the difference. Okay, so now that we brought up turbid mashing, so yes. turbid mashing is when you take out the wort. The word itself. Decoction is when you take out the grains. Yes. And heat the grains. Yeah, and you actually uh, try and drain it of the word. So you're literally heating it. You just just want the the grains. You want enough liquid in there where you don't scorch the grains and you can make it kind of bubble. But other than that, you don't want any liquid in there. Yeah, and so that modifies the malt, whereas the turbid mashing uh, wrecks some of the sugars from being able to be fermentable. Yes. Because uh, it also kills some of the enzymatic reaction that's going on in the mash itself. Yes. Okay. There we go. Cool. Woo. Yes. And, ha. All right. We, there's so much in mashing. That, mashing that was is fun. Way there, too difficult. There's there's <laughs> so much science and stuff here, and a lot of it's just fun to play around. Except, I will say this: decoction is a just a pain in the ass. <laughs> Don't do it. If you if you can avoid doing a decoction, I highly recommend avoiding doing a decoction. Uh, a decoction, yes. And uh, we even had a, a special while we were doing a turbid mash. Yes, yeah, we did do that. And I would suggest avoiding that if you can as well. It was a lot of fun. Um, however, it made it, for a long day. It made for a long day, and our numbers started falling apart at the end. It, it's one of those things where... Um, 
if you're off by a little bit at the beginning, that's going to translate to being off by a, a lot, lot of bit the at end. the end. Yeah. And so you got to be on the ball start to finish if you're going to try and do any of these. Mm-hmm. All right. I think... Uh, is, is this the one? That's, that is, that's the one. This is the one? That's the one. This is the one? All right. Well, uh, if you enjoyed this show or any of our other shows and you'd like to support us, go ahead and head on over to uh, patreon.com slash blindnewsstudios or go to blindnewsstudios.com and click on the patron link at the bottom of the page. Uh, Patreon is like a recurring tip jar. You give us uh, a couple bucks a month, we can keep making you some awesome content and you get a little something in return. Uh, also, if you're going to do any Amazon shopping, go ahead, uh, head on over to our homepage and click on the Amazon link and do your shopping and Amazon gives us a little a little slice of the pie, as it were. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or would l- like to be on the show or have us taste your beer or whatnot, uh, go ahead and send us an email at feedback at blindinstudios.com. We can set that up for you. Or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash blindinstudios or follow us on Twitter at blind underscore ninja. And I'll see you guys next week.